What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A show that looks at Kansas City baseball's past, present, and future. High fly ball. Motley going back to the track. No outs to go. Davis comes to the plate. Strike three called. It's over. They've done it. The Royals are World Series champions. The world champion Kansas City Royals. This is the Kansas City Baseball Vault. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Kansas City Baseball Vault. And it has been a little bit since we've spoken with all of you, but we are back in full force. I'd like to say better than ever, um, but much like the Royals, there's not much to sugarcoat here. So um, we got a lot to talk about coming up. Yeah, a lot uh, of stuff happened in two weeks. A lot of, yes, in two weeks. Mainly the draft, which we'll get to uh, first here in a moment. Uh, but before that, of course, introductions. I am Jeff Hur. With me, as always, is the man who I would draft one one overall to be my podcast co-host michael engel mike <laughs> how are you doing um on this wonderful weather week here in Kansas? i hope it's been as good in lawrence as it's been in kansas city because it's been awesome this week. oh yeah yesterday was like perfect you got that little late afternoon rainstorm which kind of cooled things down but it only rained for like 20 minutes here so it was like yep. 70 degrees and cleared up it was it was, it great. was amazing it was like we complain about the weather so many times when we opened this show and it was like that was the the least complainable weather probably in a long long time it was it was fantastic Absolutely. it was really great i went out and walked on this little trail it was really nice so i was like sweet took advantage we got about maybe you- <clears throat> a week of that and then we're going to start probably seeing the fun 95s and Stuff like yes, that. or so. massive rainstorms that come out of nowhere. Yeah, and tornadoes. Yeah, that was fun too a few weeks ago. But yeah, or as my daughter calls them, apparently potatoes. Potatoes. <laughs> Potato. We had. We were all down in the basement because the horns were going off, and the next day she went over to my in-laws and to, and she was telling them all about how we had to go downstairs because of the potato. <laughs> that was so. For her life, they will most likely always be potatoes now. Because yeah. we'll never let her forget. As we should. Nor, as yeah, That's nor what parents you. do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, um, that happens to me all the time. My mom still reminds me. And 
Some of yes. it is from 33 years ago. So, that's, you know, that's when that's I was when I was a youngin, I used to have a bunch of different weird theories on why ice cream makes you thirsty, right? So, and I I thought it was like really cool, and I was super smart. And so my parents would be like, oh, hey, you know, at parties or whatever, they'd be like, oh, hey, tell so-and-so why ice cream makes you thirsty. And it was always like a different theory every time, of course. Sure. But um, so now I, now as a parent, I realized that they were probably like talking to somebody right before they called me over and they were like, hey, watch this. <laughs> they called me over and said, hey, tell them what, what, why ice cream makes you thirsty. And then everyone laughs and it's all a good time, you know. But hey, that's... That's what happens when you're a kid. This ice cream is making me but thirsty. But they, they still, so if we, yeah. So whenever we have ice cream now, they, my family is always like, hey, Jeff, can you tell us why ice cream makes you thirsty? It's been, you know, 25, 30 years Yeah, probably. you're like, thanks. There. Thanks yeah. for reminding me. Hey, hey, I get it. I get it. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, the Royals might be making all of you – and us thirsty for some actual good baseball. Um, you like that transition? That was pretty good. That's pretty good. Uh, uh, which is then just nullified by the fact that I say that you how pointed good is that out. transition yeah. after. <laughs> it's like explaining the joke. <laughs> but anyway. Jokes are always funny exactly. when you explain them. Exactly. So anyway, the Royals are currently tied with the Baltimore Orioles for the worst record in baseball. Where have we, where have we heard that before? That's, oh, yeah. last year. Last year. Uh, even the Miami Marlins have had a bit of a hot streak and and made some distance between them and the Royals and the Orioles. So the Royals and the Orioles clearly the best. I'm sorry, best the worst teams in baseball. Um, interestingly enough, you know the Royals again they continue to underperform their uh, metrics in terms of like run differential and stuff. So um, what that means. It, who knows, you know, early in the season, you could say, oh, well, maybe it means it's going to even out at this point when you're 25 games below. Uh, it means nothing. It doesn't really <laughs> yeah, matter. There's no even. Because, yeah. It, you know, the Royals could go. I mean, if they did one of their 15 and five streaks like they did a few years ago, you know, they'd still be 10 games under 500. So or 15 games under 500. So, you know, it, it's not going to really help that much. But anyway, as you do when the Royals um, or any baseball team is as terrible as they are, you know, you like to look to the future. And, you know, we've got some players on the on the Royals roster that we, we've talked about so far this season that you know are likely going to be a, a good hope or uh, are likely are going to be a piece and hopefully a good piece to the Royals in the future. But recently, Major League Baseball had their amateur draft, which, of course, restocks and always gives that little extra shot of hope that you need right in the middle of the season, especially for a, um, a putrid one like the Royals are currently having. So we're going to talk about that because those are happier times ahead, hopefully. Um, and, you know, it's always fun when the Royals get more talent, especially when the Royals first round pick number two overall is a just universally lauded talent mm -hmm. that he is uh, Bobby Witt Jr., who, um, as you would imagine, whose father is Bobby Witt Sr., who is actually was a Major League Baseball player himself. Yeah, you got a good um, ten-ish years or so in the in the big leagues, I think. I don't yeah. really look how long he played, but I remember Bobby Witt all the time. Like he was 
He was around quite a lot. 16 years, it says. I just, I just pulled him up on Baseball Reference. Yeah, he played for like... 16 years. played for like nine teams or something. He was a pitcher. Um, let's see. He had a career ERA of 4.83. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So... I think he was a first-round pick also. Let's see if it says... Which might look. make him... That might make them the first father-son to go in the first round, though. I don't know. Well... King Griffey Sr. probably predated the draft. So I don't know. Drafted by Texas Rangers in the first round, third overall in 1985. Dang. Um, oh, yeah, because I remember there. I, I saw, I heard an interview um, on the radio about how they kind of joked with him about how Oh well, he can always hold it over his dad's head that he was drafted higher than he was since he was yeah. drafted second. Uh, but made a lot more money too. Yes, just a lot more money. Yeah. Probably more money than the first ten years of Bobby Witt's career. Probably. Anyway, the um, Bobby Witt Jr. has been widely lauded. You know, he was seen as the best shortstop in the draft, and. Um, there was lots of talk as him being like the next great shortstop. You know, I, I saw a couple articles pre-draft, you know, some of them that had kind of like the next great shortstop question mark and, you know, had like all the Alex Rodriguez, Derek Jeter, et cetera, you know, that whole lineup of great shortstops and then, you know, put his picture on the end of it. So, uh, it, it, he's, he's got a lot of tools. They, a six tool player, they called him because of that. The similar to um, Raul Mondesi or Adalberto Mondesi, the kind of makeup tool, mm-hmm. if you will. Uh, that sounds like I'm making one or like a like you're making up for something else. But the just mental makeup tool that you know he's prepared for the game because of his father. He was around it a lot growing up. He's just you know that sort of fosters a mental readiness that that you just don't normally have if you don't grow up around there so uh you know not to say that you couldn't have that sort of quote-unquote sixth tool just if you're not a um, son of a major leaguer but with bobby witt jr they say he's got it all essentially um so it's a i was kind of a no-brainer pick for the royals everyone assumed that's what what would happen that is exactly what happened and they broke the bank for him, literally almost, um, a record $7.78 million um, contract. So more than Bubba Starling, more than, um, crap, what was the guy? Uh, the Cuban guy that never did anything. The pitcher what was his name. No, uh, Noel something. Oh, Noel Arguez. Noel Arguez. Yeah. He yeah. was 7 million. Wasn't he? I don't remember what like, he got. Like 6.9-ish, I think. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was up. That was the Royals' like biggest play that they'd ever made for one of those international guys at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe still, I don't know. I can't. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, Mondesi got a good chunk, but it wasn't anything like that. I think it was like point five ish for Mondesi. Yeah. I think Elia Hernandez got a big one too, but he obviously hasn't panned out. Regardless, um, it's a lot of know, money. It's a lot of money, and you know, I hope he's worth it. Apparently, he is. He. Um, the the thing that worries me, and we were kind of talking about this right before uh, the right before we went live, is the um, he is a little bit older than 
you would think he's a high school senior, but he's he turns 19 tomorrow. So, uh, you know, a little bit. He's on the older side yeah. for his class. And that's um, – I think when, when the Royals drafted Bubba Starling, because he turned 19 just a few weeks after he signed. So he was even – which at the time – was around August when that signing period yeah. would happen. So it was about so, two months after he was drafted yeah, or so. Yeah, he was drafted. And he, so he was even younger than Witt Jr. is now, then. And so I remember, uh, I think it was Rainey Gisarely that mm-hmm. made an article and had you know lots of detail um, statistics and everything about the success rate of players based on age, like within a class range so you know depending on if you're young for your class or if you're old for your class etc uh and and how, how that works out and it was actually quite astonishing when, like lindor was a high much... schooler in that same draft but he was yeah i think just under 18 when he was drafted yeah so you know the the disparity between players in starling's age group for a particular class as in older for that class versus someone like a Lindor younger for their class, then the success rate was um, kind of eye-openingly different. So that is a, you know, a small concern, but the, the book on Witt Jr. is, it is not that um, he's quite a bit more polished than Bubba Starling was. Yeah. So I don't played a think... lot in Texas. Their team won yes. the state championship for their level. Um, Cause those, that was the issues with Starling, right? They now no competition in Kansas. Yeah, I mean, six, a baseball teams. There's, there's, there's competition. I mean, you've seen guys come through. Well, I say no competition, like, like relative to yeah, but your it, Texas, your yeah, California, you look at California, Texas, and Florida. It's no contest. It's like you're playing. It, it's kind of like, you know, uh, if you're playing against that top level competition at every level, your entire prep life, you know, y- y- that's going to give you an edge in some regards, just because you're playing consistently better players most of the time. And so, like, yeah, it's it's a it's a huge difference for sure between the two of them. Even though, um, you know, it's 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 pretty crazy. But yeah, Texas definitely is one benefit to you know, in wit's favor. So, uh, yeah. And baseball was his sport. Yeah. You know, I guess, I guess I didn't know, I didn't do enough research to, to know if he played any other, but I don't remember hearing anything about him being a three sports star like Bubba Starling was. So, um, you know, that counts for a lot too. Cause those were the two biggest knocks on Starling. He wasn't, baseball wasn't his main sport. You have, you know, famously had that scholarship to Nebraska to be a quarterback there that he could have, he could have taken. Mm-hmm. And, um, that he the the competition that he played wasn't the highest because you know he was in Kansas and then he didn't play on enough travel teams because he was playing other sports. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, and definitely we'll not an issue away. with wit. So. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, and we'll um, you know a couple. Well, we've got some things to discuss on Bubba Starling as he is today in a little bit, but um, and additionally, you know. We're obviously going to talk about the draft today, but we're going to get a little bit more in-depth analysis a little bit later as we'll have, like we do every year, we'll have Clint Scholes on. Um, And if you want a little taste of what he can be talking about, um, 
you know, he's writing, he's got his website, um, and I am blanking on the website name. I just had it. It's uh, royalsacademy.com, uh, yes. which she started probably, what, two months ago and has been doing mm-hmm. a lot of stuff. So, um, yeah, so if you're missing his diamonds in the rough type of stuff from uh, from the old BP uh, Kansas City days, he's doing it there. Go get your, your fill there, not only of the draft, but then of the Royals farm system as current. You know, we've said it before, but it bears repeating. Nobody does it better than Clint. And I'm not just talking about for the Kansas City Royals. I'm talking about from what I've seen from anybody who it's not their direct job to cover a farm system for right. a team. Uh, nobody does it better than Clint. So definitely go there. But then, of course, we'll um, we'll have him on the show in a little bit. Give him time to kind of digest the class and and get his thoughts in order. And then we'll we'll have him on to discuss as we do every year. But obviously. Bobby Wood Jr. is the big star um, of the class. And then after that, the Royals continued uh, a trend they started last year, drafting a lot of college players. So yeah. <laughs> they they drafted – Wood Jr. was a high school player, so he was their first, over, first pick, second overall. And then they did not draft another high school player until their 16th pick. The rest of those picks uh, – so their second pick all the way up until their 15th pick – were um, college players so you know there I don't know how I feel about this strategy here um, I don't know let's let's kind of start before we dive into some of the the individual players let's kind of mm-hmm. start there yeah, like how do you feel about it last year maybe it made a little bit more sense um, I don't know yeah, I don't know. It feels I just don't know how I feel a little because like the thing with the draft is there's always risk. There's always, I mean, how many guys make it out of any given draft? Like not a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you might get ten guys who reach the big leagues, and maybe three or four of those are really decent contributors, and maybe one is good in any given year. I, you know, I don't know if that's the ratio or not, or if that's close to what the Royals actually get out of guys, but. You know, you're you're gonna have a lot of guys who you you bring into your organization. They don't do much. Um, some guys just never get past a ball. Some kind of float around in double A for a while. Some never really do much past triple A. It's just you know, it's the nature of the game. It's it's really hard and it's a grind. Um, so that's you know, in baseball, you get forty rounds of a draft to you know bring in all this talent to fill your minor leagues. You're gonna miss on probably most of these guys. Um, and I, I feel like it, there's a couple of things at play. One, you know, with, with college guys, they've played a couple of years at their level. You know, they've played, you know, guys like uh, Brady McConnell, the Royals second round pick played at Florida. That's, you know, that's a regularly successful program. Uh, third rounder Grant Gambrell, uh, Oregon state, that's a good program, you know? And so you get a lot of those guys from those good schools you know that the coaching is going to be good. They're going to be playing top competition. They're going to be competitive in their conference and at the College World Series. Um, they're going to at least be trying to, you know, playing to qualify for those things. So you know that they're going to be, you know, playing at the highest level in, in college. Um, it kind of gets you outside of, you know, we talked about Bubba Starling. You know, I wonder what Bubba Starling would have looked like if he had gone to, say, Nebraska to play baseball for a couple of years. You know, would that have made him develop better? Would it be beneficial to him today? I don't know. 
but you kind of can vet some of those guys a little bit um, by having them go to college, seeing what they can do, and seeing what they can do under you know what's probably overall just better coaching, better preparation. The trade-off is that you know they start their pro careers a little bit older than some of these guys. So you know McConnell is uh, you know a couple of years older than Bobby Witt Jr. And so that's two years of professional development that he's got to miss out on. But uh, at the same time, if that's something that two years in college, because he was a sophomore uh, when he when he went to the when he was drafted here, you know, is that something that that also benefits him because it's two years at Florida? That's not just two years playing who knows where against anybody. It's playing at Florida. That's a that's a, such a solid. Uh, solid baseball school. So that's probably going to help him a little bit. And the Royals probably feel more comfortable that way. Um, But a big part of it really, I think is starting to come down to uh, just the draft slot and the way that the draft is set up is, you know, you can't really go crazy and, and sign a guy over slot like the Royals did back in, you know, 2008, 2009. And in that kind of area, uh, which got them guys like Will Myers and got them you know, Danny Duffy and Tim Melville and some of the guys who popped up as really good names out of high school in some of those drafts that some teams might have taken them in the first round if it was a slot system um, where it was definitely like an easier negotiation to say, look, this is a slot. This is what we can offer you. Or where the Royals took advantage of that where it's like we'll overpay on that slot. We don't care because it doesn't impact the other picks quite the same. And so you see a lot of that where right now the Royals are, they haven't gone over slot to anybody that they've signed so far. They've signed all but three guys. Um, One of those guys that they drafted Clay Dungan in the ninth round was a senior out of college. So, you know, he had no leverage. They signed him for two and a half or 2.5 or $2,500. Let's, let's get the number right. So, like very, very low bonus where the slot value was over $150,000. And so that gives the Royals a chance to, you know, spread that around throughout their first 10 rounds. It gives them the chance to spread that through maybe a high schooler later on who teams decided, well, if we don't get them in the third round, we're not going to have the slot available to to offer them. Because if you pick a guy like the Royals third round pick, was a, a slot value of $767,000. You know, you can't, it's really difficult to pick a guy at that spot and offer him a $2 million signing bonus to get him to go to your team instead of go to the University of uh, Oklahoma or something like that. So it's like you can't really do the over slot trick just because slots just don't work that way it just doesn't work the way it did uh you know 10 years ago in the draft and so i think that's also a big factor where you're taking on less risk of guys busting because you know a little bit more but you're giving up maybe a touch of upside but you're making it a lot easier to sign all of those guys instead of missing out on them so i think there's a a heck of a lot going on it's interesting the royals definitely seem to have gone all in on it um Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to continue. It may adjust by draft class. This one, you know, was one that you know, wasn't particularly great for, like, top-end pitching. That could have changed things. So, I don't know. It's something to definitely watch. Uh, I think the Mets tried a very similar uh, strategy with their draft as well. 
Um, and they might have, I think they drafted one or two college seniors to kind of play the same, you know, low signing bonus game and, and, and kind of spread that around. So it might become a trend just because, you know, so much of baseball right now is on, you know, centered around compensation and signing bonuses and things like that, that teams, if they can save some money on that payroll and, and, and player investment, well, they're going to try to. And the slot is kind of designed to do that. And teams will definitely uh, cooperate with those rules if it means that they're going to save some money. So uh, if that means they have to take a college guy and and maybe they take a 21-year-old instead of an 18-year-old, well, teams seem to be pretty comfortable in doing that. Yeah, and, you know, times were different when, when a player like Will Myers was drafted where, um, what was he, a third-round pick? Fifth round? Uh, yeah, he there? was a third rounder. The Royals third round. didn't have a second round pick because they had to sign Juan Cruz for some reason. <laughs> of that course. worked out well. Because when you get the chance to sign Juan Cruz. Yeah, in a, in a non-contending year. No matter years. how many draft picks you lose. Yeah. But um, so, you know, Will Myers signed, you know, way above slot. And the Royals had to beef the money to get him to not go to South Carolina to play baseball and to come play for the Royals. And so, you know, you can't do that anymore because of, as you talked about all the slotting and everything like that. So yeah, you know, that's a very good point that you made where maybe that is kind of the, the new thing that people have, or, or teams have really started to try and analyze, okay, how do we shave this money off here so that, you know, you're not going to see any situations like Will Myers again, where you give third round picks, you know, a million over slot or whatever the case. I can't remember how much he signed for, but it was two or three million dollars. Yeah, it was a lot of I money. Mean, he for... should have been a first round pick, but teams yeah. were pretty sure he was either going to need that kind of money or he was going to go to college. And the Royals were like, "All right, <laughs> we'll yeah, take that, him." And that was, and it was a smart was move. Game. It was, it was it the one was. way the Royals could find a way to like kind of hack the system where you know they're not trying to spend a hundred million dollars on a free agent, but they're trying to get guys who have that kind of first round talent that teams shy away from because it's less of an overall investment. And it, you know, the Royals were really smart to do that. And then the system broke against them. And so now here we are. So I don't know. Absolutely. And uh, you know, that was the game the Royals were playing then and they worked it to perfection because yeah, it, it was, Will Myers it was, was the a best thing they, very... they did in that time. Yeah, he was a very important cog in the Royals World Series bit. <laughs> uh, victory because of the, the what he allowed them to do in terms of trades. Now, um, so yeah, that's kind of interesting. And the thing that I hope in regards to the, you know, college versus high school player is so when you and you hit the nail on the head when you talk about okay. They maybe have two years of higher level experience going to, you know, playing college and getting all that great coaching, et cetera. But that's two less years of pro development. And more specifically, that's two less years of Royals pro development. So which maybe that's a benefit. Well, yeah, know. maybe I that's mean... a good thing. I don't know. <laughs> Lately. That, the hell knows with that. But I hope that the Royals have a plan for how to deal with and how to bring along college players as opposed to high school players. You know, like I think in the past, because we've talked a lot about the Royals farm system and how they handle prospects. And I, I think in the past, it was a very one size fits all type approach, whether you were mm -hmm. high school, whether you were college, whether, you know, didn't matter. This is what we do what as Royals. That, 
was, yeah, this is, if you want to be on the Royals, this is how we roll. And you're and, 18 and just signed, and what do you know? Because you only played in high school with the exactly. math teacher coaching you. Yeah, and, um, you know, which, interestingly enough, when I did that big article on um, on Long Toss way back when, I talked to, God, what the hell was that guy's name? He was drafted first round by the Reds, and he was a big long toss guy. Oh my God, I can't, I can't believe I, I interviewed him for it. I can't remember his name, Chris something. It was like eight um, years ago. So, <laughs> yeah, that was when I wrote it, and he was drafted well before that. So anyway, um, but yeah, he was. That was one of the things he said. You know, when he he came in, I was like, so what did you think when these people were telling you, oh, you can't do it this way, you got it? He's like, well, I mean, they're pro coaches. He's like, I thought they knew better than I did, so that's why I listened to them. That's why I stopped doing it. And, you know, they, that's not always the case, No. but when you're a young kid, you know, you might think that way. So, but that's a different kind of a different topic, but the, the point being, you know, th that's very important to how you develop players. And I think, you know, when you look at organizations that, you know, you want to talk St. Louis Cardinals, Tampa Bay Rays, et cetera, that, that have a really good developmental system, uh, you know, they do not have that one size fits all approach that's not how they operate you know they do things a little bit differently and you know i think they kind of take it player to player and they've been successful doing that that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to do it that way but you know i i do think that the royals need to approach them differently them meaning college drafted players as opposed to high school drafted players i don't know if they are or not um something in me tells me that they might not be so that is a little concerning, I guess, especially when you, um, I don't know, but it's, uh, you know, that, that's just, that's one of the big concerns that I think I would, I would have when talking about drafting so many college players, you know, because then, you know, there's also a flip side of it too. Like, okay, if you have a specific way you want to develop college players and you do it right. And, you know, we, we kind of see it with, or we may kind of see it with, you know, the, the Brady singers, Jackson Coward, the people from last year that they drafted where, you know, if those guys are start performing well, which they have been so far, you mm -hmm. know, if they move up quickly through the system, like a Brady singer, you know, good chance he can be at triple or double a by the end of this year. If that's something that happens, then, you know, if the Royals get used to moving players quickly through the system like that because of their college experience and because of how they're trying to develop them, if they try and take that approach and apply it to the high school players, it might not be as successful, you know, looking at you, Adalberto Mondesi, right. who, you know, had some struggles because they moved him very quickly through the system. And so, uh, you know, it just, the, they just need to be very cognizant of the differences between the players and, you know, where they came from, et cetera. And I think that's ultimately the real key to running a very successful farm system. I don't know if the Rose have cracked that code yet. They've certainly gotten better. They're a lot better, yeah. They're a lot more flexible, especially with pitchers, than they used to be. Like, they used to outlaw different pitchers, and it seemed to change every year which pitch they didn't want guys to throw. And now they're like, well, we'll we'll just go with what the player, you know, can do. And we might try to do this, but we'll – if they're they want to throw that slider more, they're – well – if it's working, then we're not going to change it as often. So I think they're a little better, but yeah, they're, you know, they still have their, their quirks. So I don't know. We'll see how that works out. It's, I mean, there's probably, 
you know, there's there's more that you would have to untrain to retrain in the college guys because, you know, they'll have two, three years of experience at the college level. And that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's something where they probably developed some of their own habits and, and things that they wanted to work on that, uh, you know, maybe would have been uh, avoided when they were if they were drafted as high school kids and signed. Yeah. But, you know, the flip side of that is like you said earlier, you know, there's a, uh, some years of refinement there and they're coached by, instead of, like you said, instead of being coached by the math teacher, you know, they've got guys who it is their they're sole coaches. job to coach baseball. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're, yeah. They're not teachers who also get a bonus because they coach the baseball team. They are baseball coaches and they're very well paid, especially in the high ranks, you know, talking about a Brady McConnell, just like a Brady singer and Jackson Coar yeah. last year going to Florida, like you SEC know, schools where it's like they, I think all year, like 12 of the top 16 teams in college were in the SEC. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So, but yeah, when you're talking about those and even some of the other, you know, Arizona State, Oregon State, you know, these are yeah. good programs. And I'm not sure uh, where Bobby Witt, I'm sure he had offers to like everywhere. He was going to go to Oklahoma. Oklahoma is where he's going to go. Yep. Okay. So they're not, you know, Oklahoma's got a good program. It's not quite SEC level, but nah, regardless, but you know, they, they, there's, they're very high paid um, coaches there. And they're going to give you a little bit better refinement than some of the coaches at the high school and even at, you know, the highly competitive AAU level. So, you know, it's like you said, there's that trade off there and it's really kind of interesting. It's a very delicate balance between managing all this stuff, you know, okay, what direction do we want the, do we want the major league team to go? How do we translate that into the draft? How do we translate that into who we draft into, you know, college versus high school, you know, taking skill sets aside and then how do we translate that into our minor league programs all the way up going from you know rookie ball to triple a and how that feeds into our major league team and then you've got to kind of have a little bit of you know soothsayer in you because you got to say okay this is where we're at now this is where we want the direction to go but you know where do we where do we honestly think we're going to be and you have to be honest with yourself about where do we think this organization is going to be in three years? Because wherever that is, is the type of players we need to be drafting now. So, you know, it's very tough. So, you know, we, we've <laughs> throughout the history of this show, we've definitely ragged on the Royals a lot for how they've drafted and how they've um, developed players. And a lot of it is deserved, but I do, uh, we all recognize how difficult of a task it is set out for not just the Royals, but any major league baseball team. And it's, which makes it all the more impressive when you have teams like the San Luis Cardinals and the Rays and, um, you know, these, these different organizations that are just able to consistently do it. I don't know how the hell they do it. (laughs) And it's, uh, it's very impressive when, when they can consistently do it like they are, which is good. Oh, that guy's good. Okay. Great. Yeah, oh, wow. like, who the hell is this guy? Oh, you know, only just league MVP now. <laughs> you know, it's like, good Lord. But <clears throat> anyway, so back to the draft itself this year. Um, so we talked about, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. That's the big one. Uh, the And like I said, 14 um, college players drafted after that. Not quite as pitcher heavy as it was last year, the first two players they drafted were shortstop. You mentioned Brady McConnell. Um, so he was a teammate of Brady Singer, Jackson Coar last year. 
because they won the national championship last year, right? Mm-hmm. Florida. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was on the national championship team last year. Uh, Four-year sophomore, like you said, it's a little bit early. A little bit early. A little bit um, older. He has not been signed yet, and his slot value is about one point seven million. That slot value drops off real quick, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it does. Because you get through some he, of the compensation junior... picks too. So his like, I mean, it's a second round pick, but it's the forty fourth overall pick. So it's like, wow. Yeah. All right. So from from second to forty fourth, you're dropping six, <laughs> a little lot. over six million. Yeah. So 42 picks, I guess that's not a, a huge amount if you really break it down that way, but uh, pretty crazy that he's still, that's still a really high pick, but you know, less than 2 million is what he's slotted to make. Anyway, he hasn't been signed, but he's another shortstop. So, um, you know, the Royals could, uh, could have a bit of a log jam in the middle infield come two or three years from now with with Alberto Mondesi, with Witt still on the team, if Bobby Witt Jr. is ready, and then if Brady McConnell is ready, if they get him signed and he's ready, then, I mean, that's a lot of, that's again, that's one of them good problems, like yeah. we've often said on yeah, this show. And, it's and a problem you want to have. Dayton's but, always talking uh, about building up the middle. Like, he's done that from day one. He's like, I want, mm-hmm. you know, good shortstop, center fielder, second baseman, catcher. He, You know, that's his thing. Um, most of these guys, most... Most guys who get drafted as shortstops usually aren't going to stick there because it's a really, no, really yeah. tricky spot to play. But uh, McConnell might. I mean, he he could do it. Um, probably not. But another thing that's always important in the draft is to not worry too much about like yeah. what you have. Like if the talent's there, if the guys there, like there's no reason to pass on Bobby Witt Jr. just because you have Mondesi. It's not like yes. the Chiefs I've always been weren't going to would pass up a quarterback. Because why you yes. don't need a quarterback, but you know it's way different in mm-hmm. in in baseball where it's just like you know find the talent and find a way to fit it on the field. Um, yep. But like Mustakas was drafted as a, a shortstop, Hunter Dozier was drafted as as a uh, shortstop, and those guys are not shortstops. Not yeah, and not only was Moose drafted as a shortstop, but then they thought he would likely move to third, and at the time, Alex Gordon was at third. Yeah, so you know. They still drafted him. Though. Who had pushed Martin off third? Who had, 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 yeah. yeah, you got to do it. But, you know, talking about building strong up the middle, like you said, I mean, look at that 2015 team. You go from Perez to Escobar, and then, you know, by the time they won the World Series, Zobrist, and then out to Lorenzo Kane in center field. I mean, that is a strong middle infield right yeah. there. So, you know, if that's what, if that's what you want to build towards, then absolutely go for that. But uh, anyway, so then, you know, they started drafting a little bit, a few more pitchers. So what, you know, I, unfortunately I haven't done, I was on vacation all last week when the draft was happening. So I have not done a ton of research into all these players. So maybe you can kind of fill in some of the gaps here, but what are the, what are some of the bigger names beyond Witt Jr.? Well, uh, you know, Michael Massey is someone who some of the scouting <clears throat> reports I read, they, uh, they feel like he's, he's got a, a potential to, be a pretty good hitter with a good approach, play second base. Um, Clint's analysis of him was that, you know, he's he's got a shot to be like a decent utility guy um, with some upside to maybe be even better than that. Uh, you know, he's a, a, he's already signed. The Royals got him for about 60,000 under slot. So, so he's in the mix. 
Um, this guy, Dante Biasi, who uh, is the brother of former Royals draft pick Sal Biasi from, uh, I think, like three or four years ago. He's a lefty. Mm-hmm. He's got some upside to him. Um, you know, he's, he's had Tommy John surgery, but his velocity and arm strength is all back up. Um, could be a, you know, starter with three average pitches. Um, the velocity as a, as a quick side it... note. Yeah. At some point, I think it's going to be, has that, has he had Tommy John surgery yet? Yeah. <laughs> More than, um, oh, he has had it. Like it's just becoming so common now. But oh yeah. That's again, different topic. Sorry to interrupt. Um, so he's got a good chunk of upside to him. Um, there's, uh, Grant Gambrell is kind of in the mix too. He hasn't signed yet either, but, um, you know, he's got a shot to, to be pretty good. You know, a mid nineties kind of guy should be a starter. Um, you know, he's, he's maybe not much more than like a guy who can go give you 34 starts of, of average ish, but that's got some value and it's a third round pick. So it's like, you know, you can kind of live with that. And then some of the other, if you're going to give me, if you're going to give me 30, 30 plus starts of 4.0 ERA baseball, I want that person on my team. Yeah, I mean, I don't want them to be my opening day starter, but you know, if, if, if you're going to give me, be my fourth, fifth starter, and you're going to put up that line, I'll take that. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, those guys are always – there's always something that, that kind of works well with that. Um, some other guys who are interesting down the line, um, Justin Hooper is pretty intriguing. He's out of UCLA. Um, he was a, a pretty highly regarded uh, high school draft prospect back in the day, like top 40, top 50 type of guy. Uh, went to college. He's six foot eight. <laughs> so he's huge he's huge lefty um but he's uh he's the brother of uh austin hooper who is a tight end for the atlanta falcons so there's some athletic pedigree there uh the royals their their second high school pick in this draft was in the 16th round it was eric figueroa who uh is 17 years old he turns 18 in about three weeks um six foot six uh 230 pound pitcher so that's a big old kid big big boy he was drafted out of puerto rico um and that goes in direct contrast what we were talking about at the top of the show um with Witt jr where he's on the younger side yeah and and that's because they're both seniors in high school this year but he is a couple weeks away from turning 18 as opposed to being one day away from turning 19. Yeah, so, and I, I haven't seen if the Royals have actually officially signed him yet, but I would imagine they probably had an idea they could to pick him after all those <laughs> college guys. Um, mm-hmm. They didn't pick another high school kid until like the 30th round. Maybe not even yeah. that, no, 36th round. So they took four high school kids in their last five rounds but other than that it was wit and it was figueroa that was it i mean it just it was very college heavy um those are kind of the guys that that stuck out to me a lot of these guys from the later rounds have already signed um i think i've seen that jonah depoto who is like a a later pick 35th round he's signed there's an alex smith in this draft who signed um, not not that Alex Smith, but not that Alex, Alex Smith. Smith. Um, 
yeah, just uh, there, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of guys that you know I don't I don't have nearly the depth of knowledge that that Clint has. But generally, there's there's some guys. It's the kind of the same analysis you might see in a lot of spots where it's like, well, if he can do this, he might turn out. If he can do this, he might turn. You know, um, past the first ten rounds, it's I don't want to say it's a crapshoot, but it's kind of a crapshoot. <laughs> Um, but you know there are a couple guys that that look a little intriguing and uh, you know could be some some pretty good value down the line once the Royals get them into development and see what they can do in the minor leagues and uh, a lot of those short season uh, minor league teams are going to be starting play here very soon and that's when it gets interesting where you got a million players in your in your professional system playing and you can kind of see some of these new guys out on the field and actually playing against other professional competition. So um, one of the great benefits of moving up the signing deadline from, you know, the last CBA is exactly this where, you know, in years past you, you brought up Bubba Starling and he signed at the very last minute, which was in the middle of August. And that's way too late to try to go play in the minor leagues. But Witt could, he could, you know, he's signed, he's ready. He could probably be playing for, uh, you know, Idaho Falls, in, in a couple of weeks and that's mm-hmm. really great to be able to get your guy out there and just see what he so can do great. you know maybe he doesn't do anything because he's fresh out of high school and like you know but you can see it and you can see how he you know approaches the game and adjusts and things like that so and he can get into you know start getting a feel for what that grind is going to be like next year when he starts uh you know day one yeah with and, and the you know speed big of the team. game like just and... Yeah, just getting that. used. That kind of stuff is invaluable. And another interesting one that I kind of heard him talking about on the radio, I don't know necessarily how much you know he factors into any future Royals teams, but Jake Means is a local guy. He's from Gardner, Kansas, just like Bubba Starling. Just down the road. Yes, just down the road. Um, he went to Indiana State, who, I mean, they've got, you never really hear much about Indiana State in terms of like the national scene, but they've got a pretty good program. Feels like Sean they're always having out of there, I think. players draft. Yeah, I mean, not a, not always you know high high picks, but they always seem to have a lot of guys drafted. So yeah, there's there's usually a couple of JUCO guys too that like oh that guy could be intriguing, and then they show up and they start doing good things, and it's like oh okay, like mm-hmm. really easy to miss those guys, but you know talent is talent, and sometimes maybe. They're not recruited highly out of high school, but they develop something once they actually start playing and, you know, team catches them and goes out and, and, and gets some signs. So, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I will definitely have to have Clint to give a, a much more in depth because he he'll go to like he'll contact their coaches and teammates. Yeah, and all kinds he's, of stuff I'm sure he's already talked to Whit Jr.'s coach or some scouts who have seen him and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure he yeah, if he hasn't seen him himself somehow. Because right. Clint just finds a way to see all these things, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we'll have him talk on, uh, have him on um, soon, and, and we'll talk about all that stuff a little bit more. Uh, but now we'll flip to the big league squad, and um, unfortunately, has not right, gone that well. No, it hasn't. Not great, um, Bob. It's been not great, Bob. It's been uh, three weeks since we've recorded the Royals. Have they won three games? <laughs> I think they won. <laughs> they have four. Um, and they've certainly not won three games in a row. They've won three games in a row once. I was looking at this a lot. They've won two games in a row like three times and one three-game winning streak. 
They haven't won consecutive games since May 22nd. And I heard this absurd stat that I haven't checked on to see if it's true, but that the Royals haven't won the rubber match of a three-game series since May of last year, which seems Sounds crazy. about right, but, but it, it's like they haven't won every a time series you think like, since April yeah, you, this year. Oh, geez. Yeah. I mean, every time you think like, oh, that doesn't sound possible, it's something like, oh, yeah, the Royals have done it. Yeah. 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 Well, Yeah. <laughs> They're on pace for like 112 losses. Yeah. Oh, it's bad, and and they so they forgot how to score runs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully the Royals are in a similar position where there's two, you know, home run picks in the top two, and they get to pick one of them because that finally worked out from this year. They're definitely going to have a top three pick next year. So yeah, hopefully I got it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be really difficult for them not to. They're just they're not good. <laughs> No, they're not a very it good baseball sucks. team. And, you know, I mean, there's a couple couple kind of news and notes, if you will. Um, big one, I guess big one, but uh, um, Hunter Dozier is on the 10-day IL. So, you know, I don't think the Royals are super concerned about it, but it sucks. You know, remember last year, Jorge Soler got off to a decent start. Now he had a, you know, worse injury that kept him out for a longer period of time. But... Anytime you you stop that momentum when you have a, a when you have a good start to a year, it always sucks. And especially for Hunter Dozier, you know, who's who's worked so hard and finally having that really good success. And so hopefully it really is just a few days. And he's um, I haven't heard any news recently. Have they said if he's if and when he's going to be back? I think it's pretty reasonable to think that he'll probably be back at least within the week, if not sooner. Mm-hmm. Like there was some talk uh, earlier today. Uh, the Royals are playing in Omaha today against Detroit, which is kind it's of first a neat ever Major thing. League Baseball game in Omaha. Yeah, yeah pretty it's cool. Kind of cool. And it's um, like the kickoff to the College World Series, right? That's what the it's what yeah, it it's part of that, yeah. So it's because they're playing at at TD Ameritrade, um, yeah. And so, like, yeah, it's it's. I think they were saying something about he might do a rehab assignment, which if he does, that puts him you know pretty close, you know, just mm-hmm. to get some of that timing back. But they might, if he feels right, just bring him back, you know, into the mix and and get him back into the the lineup and see what he can do but it's a it's a back thing and so it's or no it's not even a back it was a they keep calling it a thorax injury and I'm like <laughs> thorax just call it like an oblique man like i mean he's not an insect it's not it's yeah I mean, right i don't think he's an thorax. insect but um as far as i know thorax thorax hey it's like the avengers hey look at that thorax. That's, that's what it is hmm. speaking of which have you have you seen endgame yet oh, yeah. tell me you have yeah. don't okay i enjoyed it i liked it, it okay okay it's good just wanted to make sure yes yeah. i think last i had heard you had not seen it yet or maybe you had and there was something else you hadn't i can't remember but anyway yeah hunter dozier hunter dozier so. should be back pretty soon um the royals have kind of played like corner infield musical chairs lately because Dozier went down and they brought back, uh, I think Cuthbert. they brought back, was it Cuthbert? Yeah, he's been up. I think he, I'm pretty sure he was the one I, they brought I, up. I just don't remember the, the order of things because they brought Cuthbert back up, added him to the 40-man. They brought up Kelvin Gutierrez, brought him back. 
Um, then they just sent Gutierrez back down with Lucas Duda coming back off the injured list. Um, Chris Owings got released, and there was much rejoicing. And yes, thank God. Yeah, yeah, God, he was so bad, so bad, absurdly bad, and so uh, just awful bad. And if Dozier's coming back soon, I don't know who's next to kind of fall off from there. But um, Cuthbert's hit great, and he's out of options, and they probably wouldn't try to sneak him through again. So they'll probably keep him around. So and... so crazy to me that that Chester Cuthbert, who we've literally been talking about since this show started, yeah, is younger than Hunter Dozier. <laughs> yeah, like the dude has just been around forever. And uh, but yeah, good for him. Like like you mentioned, you know, in the ten games, he's got a three twenty four, three seventy five, five ninety five slash line. Twelve hits. So pretty good. essentially, you know, and uh, three home runs. So essentially. He, the Royals that that position hasn't missed a beat in terms of productivity because uh, Dozier's slash line uh, before the injury three fourteen three ninety eight five eighty nine yeah that's pretty uh, much the same home runs <laughs> so almost exactly the same pretty close so that's pretty cool you know Cuthbert and just is really for, good at filling in for injured third baseman like just that's just, that's that's, what, that's the that key. is his niche that's his yeah. role right there so good for him and hopefully Hunter Dozier you know, doesn't lose. Cause it was, it was encouraging to see Dozier had kind of dipped a little bit. He was kind of hovering around that 300 batting average for a little bit. And then, cause I think people had started to adjust to him mm-hmm. and then now he'd kind of, you know, he had like a three for four and then a four back. for five yeah. and came right. Yeah. It was right back to so he, being he a, kind of a like he'd been, he had adjusted to the adjustments, which is the, the tug and pull that, mm-hmm. that you have to have to be a great hitter. And so, you know, hopefully that doesn't get derailed too much by his injury and he returns soon. Um, and then interestingly enough, you know, we had, so first we had an over under this year, if you recall from our over under episode, which I know you do, Mike, but if the (laughs) listeners do, uh, we had 19 home runs as the over under for Jorge Soler and he has 17 right now. Yeah. So the dude, he, I think he's in last I heard he was in, I'm not sure if it's still there, but I think he was in like sixth in American League and home runs or something? Probably. So A lot of those guys are around like the high teens and maybe low 20s. So, like so um, Mike Moustakas has 20 homers this year, too. Wow. Cool. So, but anyway, no, Solaire. Solaire is – he has that power. Unfortunately, that's all that he has as he has a 295 on base percentage, and he has struck out 81 times yeah. in 275 plate appearances. So – um, you know, the the question has been brought up about Solaire and his trade value hmm. and the Royals' willingness to trade. So, like, what would Solaire's value be right now? And, you know, would the Royals trade him? Because, you know, he's still got a favorable contract. Yeah. But he, you know, doesn't factor to be or doesn't figure to be a factor for when the Royals get good again knock on wood assuming that happens but he likely wouldn't be around for that so it's kind of like what do you do with him and you know he's on pace right now to hit like 42 home runs i think so you know that's going to be valuable on any team so is that what value does that have right now if you you know 42 home runs is good but that's all you're getting yeah now you know he's got 47 rbis which i think ranks up there uh, pretty high as well and um yeah, he's on pace for like 110, so 
that's so, I mean his that's his good on a how really his power numbers are going to look. Yeah, I mean his power numbers are going to look great when if he has, you know, somewhere between 35 and 40 home runs, you know, 100 RBIs and a 500 plus slugging percentage. It's just everything else. Yeah. You know, he's going to be going to have somewhere between 180 and 200 strikeouts. He's going to have an OBP on base below 300. He's only going to be batting around 250 or so if he's lucky. Um, you know, what do you do with a player like that? You don't need that. I mean, you don't need any specific thing on a team like this. You just need good players. But, yeah. you know, you definitely don't need a very um, specific skill set on a team like this. But there might be a team out there that could use that. Say, okay, we need some power in the lower part of our lineup. So we're going to trade for Jorge Soler, bat him seventh, um, maybe, you know, <clears throat> use him as some pop off the bench or something I don't, I don't know but i mean what what are your thoughts on that you think the royals should trade him i mean mm. at this point that's that's kind of a weird question because at this point i think you know besides alberto monetsi and maybe whit merrifield i think you would say the royals should probably trade anybody if they could but um, i mean you think that's something that'll happen you think that's i i would lean towards they probably wouldn't but i think it's like anything else like they they'd have to listen. Like if a team wanted Sorry. to give them like, oh, here's our, you know, number eight prospect who's a, a top, you know, seventy overall. Well, actually, that would be a really really good farm system if that's the way it lined that, up. Yeah, yeah. But but like you know, it'd be that kind of level of thing. Like if someone wants to give you like their best pitching prospect who's a number you know seventy five overall, you can probably make a, 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 a an argument in your organization to make that trade. Because that's bringing in, you know, some really high-level prospect talent for someone that, you know, maybe you know there's an injury history, fair or unfair. Uh, there's a you know some deficiencies in a lot of elements of his game. He's not particularly fast. Um, he's not like slow, but he's he's definitely not fast. Um, he's not great he defensively. Zero defensive value. Yeah, and maybe and, even negative defensive value. And that might limit the teams that would be in on him. Um, you know, the American League is very, very, very top heavy. There's a lot of bad teams in the American League Oof. this year. Um, you know, even teams that you would think might be looking at him, like Cleveland, are probably not you know, going to be in a position to, to try to trade a whole lot. So it's like, it's a really limited market. It's really tough to find where that trade partner might be. It would probably have to be like a, an NL East team or something like that. And they'd have to have the prospects to do it, but that's still really tough to find the right fit. And, and, and I don't know how you justify getting a guy who is a low average, high strikeout, you know, fairly one dimensional type of player, uh, to do that but the 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 value would be good and if a team felt like there was a way to continue to develop it sure um but the other thing is i think the way solaris contract is is structured is that he's going to make at least four million dollars but he can opt into arbitration any given time and that would probably bump his salary up. And I think that's probably something that teams would be aware of and might limit what, you know, that, that value upside might be because he's probably going to hit 25 plus homers if he stays healthy, at least even with slumps and everything else. And that's a, a decent number to start with when you start going to arbitration negotiations. 
um, especially when you know you're his age and 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 you know have some kind of a track record, even if it's a little spotty because of injuries and other things. So I don't know. I don't. I don't think they would sign him, but I or I mean they would trade him. But you know, if a team wants to, you know, make a really good offer, I mean, you have to listen. I think yeah. Anybody, I think Mondesi would be the one untouchable, and maybe maybe Wit. But I I almost feel like with Wit, it's it's kind of we kind of talked about this a touch when he signed his uh, his contract. Uh, a couple months ago was that like it's such an affordable deal for a guy who can do so many things and should project to be productive later on that like maybe he's not going to be part of uh, the next championship team but you know by the time you know he might have a ton of value to a team that really wanted to pony up to to get him um, so if the Royals would be able to add two guys who would be like in their top 10 overall prospects, I mean, yeah, you, you'd probably have to do something like that um, and just kind of, you know, fill in and see what, what happens from there. So I don't know. I think anybody who someone calls about, you got to listen. It just makes sense. Um, a lot of the guy who comes up a lot, uh, I've seen three or four different articles mentioning him is Alex Gordon, who would be, tough in a lot of ways to trade because Dayton Moore is sentimental. Um, Alex has, as a veteran, uh, he has the 10 to five rights. He's been in the league over 10 years and he's been with the same team for five of those. And so he can veto any trade just automatically. Um, and he has a clause that uh, if he is traded, there's an immediate bonus for this year. So it's like any team that would trade for him basically would be having to take on somehow like $13 million in salary for whatever's owed him the rest of the way and that bonus. And so that's tough to find how all of those things align for a guy who, you know, might be seeing this as his last three months as a, you know, three and a half months as a, a big league player. Um, playing for the team that drafted and developed him and all of that. And it's like, I, I don't know if that, I don't know if it happens. I don't know if I want it to happen as a fan. It's probably logical. Again, if the Royals have a good offer on the table, they, they have to listen to it, but it's, it's tough. And other than that, the Royals don't have a lot of guys who have been very good. No, it would be worth anything in a trade, you know, Duffy, maybe, but his contract's getting a little rough. And Ian Kennedy has done well out of the bullpen, but, you know, he's not like, you know, it's not trading Andrew Miller. You know, <laughs> no, it's just like, not. it's just, I don't know. I don't know what you do with some of these guys on the roster. You, you know, some of them are probably just going to get demoted or DFA'd, and you, you go from there, and nobody trades for him. So I don't know. I don't know, but for Solaire specifically, I, I don't know that the Royals are going to get an offer that would compel them to move them. It's kind of yeah. kind of tough to see that developing with uh, the way things are laid out right now. Yeah, and that's a fair point. I think it's um, – yeah, I agree. You definitely have to listen. You listen on anybody, even if it is. I think you got to listen to them, Monty. You, yeah. you listen. Yeah, yeah. if someone like, wants to throw three of their – you know, three guys in the top 100 for Mondesi, well – yeah, yeah, do it because it's you should because it, it's it's at that point where it becomes irresponsible as a GM of a team this poor that if you don't listen 
to an offer that could make the team better in the future. You know, I mean, it's just you got to listen. Yeah, but, but it's got to you know, be like it's, overwhelmingly. Yeah, strong. unless it is three top 100 prospects, if they just want to trade you, you know, uh, you know, one of their own top 10 guys yeah, for Mondesi, the then really you just hang up. Mondesi, well, all right. Yeah, you know, but if, but if that's not, if they're not going to give you a great package like that, then it's just, you know, click, dial tone. Yeah. Sorry. But, um, <clears throat> so kind of other news and notes. Um, there's nothing really super of note. Um, not a lot. The Royals are bad. I mean, Brad Keller's had a couple decent starts. His last start was much better. Yeah. Yes, much better. Um, same with Duffy. You know, he'd had a couple, few good starts, then had some hiccups, and then kind of got back on track last night. Pitched a yeah. really, a really nice yeah. game. He and Keller were both really, really efficient. Like Keller, I think had 98 pitches or something through eight, and they didn't yep. send him back out, but they could have. And Duffy was. Probably about, I think it was fewer than 100. I don't remember where he ended up, but, you know, seven yeah, good my, innings. Uh, so, you know, that's. My wife went good. out to dinner with a friend last. Yeah, my wife went out to dinner with a friend last night. And uh, so I wasn't able to watch the game. I was watching my daughter. And as I was putting her to bed, I got the notification on my phone that Duffy was um, being replaced by Diekman. And. I was in the eighth inning, and I was like, the eighth inning? <laughs> Danny Duffy. <laughs> Good for you. Is that allowed? Good for you. That's not. That's not a thing. I you could do that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's nice to see. Um, and we mentioned, you know, talking about the draft and stuff, and then you know, talking about Gardner a little bit. Gardner, Kansas. Um, Bubba Starling. So, the dude has just been killing it in the minor leagues, and the talk is starting to get um, <laughs> too much. You know, yeah. to where they just can't keep him down anymore. And honestly, at this point, it's like, what are you doing? Like, are you really mm-hmm. like, are you really worried about Billy Hamilton losing some reps if you bring up, right. you know, Bubba Starling? I mean, does Terrence Gordon need to make two starts a week? Right. No. And especially when you talk about, you know, the, the 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 two tools that Starling has always had that have not left him and really don't leave, you know, until you get a little bit older speed and defense yeah so he's still got those like you know it's not billy hamilton's speed but nobody's got that you know right there's, so there's three people who are in that yeah, territory but, but he's got you know whit merrifield speed he's sure. got that and uh you know his defense since he was in double a his defense has been major league ready and he's been making all kinds of um you know great plays down in the minors so you know the People keep clamoring for it. I mean, fans want something to get excited about because right now this team is absolutely nothing they're to pretty, get excited about. They're as exciting so, as I don't even know. As nothing. <laughs> they're but, just no. Yeah. Right now, Bubba Starling is hitting 347, 386, 479 slug. Uh, he's got four home runs. So, you know. You'd want to see more pop for a guy like see a him, bit but. Power from a guy like but, the thing that's always uh, hampered him is being able to just make contact, and he's hitting three forty-seven. He's definitely doing that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and, that's and, encouraging. And if you start making contact, you start making hard contact, and there you go. And it, you know, it seems like the last couple of years, there's always been like, oh, Starling is is starting to do well. Maybe he's gonna, you know, finally grab hold. Maybe he's gonna break out, etc. And then it always kind of gets derailed by an injury. I know you've talked about this a lot. Yeah. Um, and like the last two years has popped up. Yeah. Like that. But this is the first time that he's had that, 
you know, in the in recent history where he's had that kind of sustained success where, you know, it hasn't been derailed by an injury, knock on wood, of course. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's been nice to see. It's been nice to see him stay healthy and get in a groove. And now that he's in that groove, you know, he's been doing really well and he's been consistently doing it well um, at AAA. So it's getting to the point where it's hard to justify keeping him down much longer. Yeah. Because I guess, like I said, there's nobody up here that it's like okay well what do we do with you know it's not like lorenzo kane's still here what do we do with lorenzo kane right like, well, like don't if worry billy about hamilton that. gets okay. 10 fewer at bats in a week who cares i mean yeah nobody <laughs> billy hamilton he's been hitting care. better to his credit but he's still not I, I hitting guess. well no so and then uh so yeah i mean i think that's definitely a realistic well, we're definitely going to see Bubba Starling at some point this year, but I think, you know, within the next few weeks, I think it's going to happen. And we yeah. were kind of hoping because, you know, today we're recording on June 13th, Thursday. You know, normally we record on a Wednesday. We were kind of hoping yesterday, you know, when I said that we needed to reschedule, you were just like, well, maybe they'll call Bubba Starling up tomorrow. So, yeah. I mean, the, there was the something feeling... Bob Fesco had tweeted out that he, someone had told him that Bubba was going to be called up today. Thursday the 13th and then mm-hmm. Omaha went to play in Sacramento and Bubba went with them so that didn't happen but I mean I the, think the feeling is that soon yeah and I, I think the, the the sense was that like if he was healthy and playing reasonably okay he'd probably make it up somehow even even mm-hmm. if it was just September you know just to do it just it's it's done he's up mm-hmm. let's go with it but he's definitely played to you know well enough that he, it's, he's actually it's a earned thing. It. Yeah, it's a thing. Like I mean, he should probably be up. You don't lose much if he's not good. You know, if they call him up and, yeah. and replace him with Hamilton, it's like, well, you're not getting much out of Hamilton anyway. Um, like you said, the skills are redundant, but Starling still has upside. I mean, he's still got a chance to. You know, hit ten homers. You know, if you give him five hundred at bats, he'd probably hit ten homers. Um, yeah, I mean, he's steal ten he's bases, only, say, play good defense. It's reasonable. I mean, he's twenty six, and Hunter Dozier, who's having a breakout season this year, is twenty seven. So, you know, and I Whit mean, Merrifield, it took him a while still, to get up here and do well. Yeah, Whit Merrifield he, he, was twenty eight or so you know, when he kind of broke we out. We would call him indispensable pretty much right now. Yeah, so it's like. There's, you it's know, definitely, definitely not unheard of. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's not the last chance for Bubba Starling, but it is one of those things where it's like this is also the first time that he's really like. I mean, last the last couple of years he's had success, but it's not like it's not like this. You know, no. it's like oh, he's hitting two sixty five. Well, that sound that feels really good when he's otherwise hit two fifteen. Yeah. This is different. This is like a real thing. There was a game a week and a half ago, maybe just a week ago, where I think Omaha won like four to three, and he drove in three game-winning RBIs and then made a catch in right center, just crazy catch on the warning track for the last out of the game. And it was like, well, all right. Hi. <laughs> what's, yeah. what's up? Yeah. Um, I think that's where a lot of the hype right now is coming from is that he's just been really, really good the last couple of weeks and it's getting people to be like, okay, it's gotta be close to time. And I, you know, trade deadlines in six weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's probably, uh, I would say by end of July, he's definitely up if not sooner just for morale or something interesting or whatever. Um, I could definitely see it. 
and he's earned it yeah. and he, sh- he should be up the, the one thing and we've talked about this i think on the last show or the one before where it was like it is tough because he would be out of options and so there is not really much wiggle room if he struggles but if you're also calling him up in the middle of july if you can find a way to hide terrence gore you can find a way to keep Bubba Starling around and, and hide mm-hmm. him and not overexpose him if he's if he's really really struggling at the big league level. It's like you can figure that out. That's not it's not tough. I mean, it's it's not a really an issue. Like it's not much of a worry to me. So I I think it'll happen. Um, I for his sake, I I hope it happens. <laughs> You know, because I could definitely see that, like, he takes a ball off the wrist or something, and now his hand's broken, and he's in the same spot where he's so close, and injury takes it away. So, I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't happen, but um, I think he'll be up. Don't know when, but yes, there's a certain point where hopefully. they can't not do it just because he's if he's playing well, he's playing well. That's what you got to do. Yeah. And – you know, there there is value, and if there is something there now for Bubba Starling, then, you know, you want to figure that out sooner rather than later, especially because, yeah, he doesn't have any more options, so you don't want to, you know, have to go through all this next year and try and figure it out, you know? Yeah. Just, let's figure it out this year. Give him as much time as possible because inevitably he's going to come up, and if he has success right away, if he keeps his groove going, there's going to be a dip at some point. Mm-hmm. You've got to see if he can come back from that so you can know you know, a little bit more about his makeup at the major league level. Those those are valuable things to know about a player like him. So you know, the sooner you get him up, the sooner you can figure those things out, and then you can know going into next year, here's what we have with Bubba Starling. You, the, the more data you have, the better the, better the picture is going to be. So... Um, yeah, I never thought I would be advocating for them to call Bubba Starling up sooner than later, but here we are, man. This is this is a crazy season. Yeah, um, I mean, right now the Royals in their last like eight games they've scored fewer than three runs per game. So I mean, you can't do much worse. You know what? Oh no, so they might only score one run instead of two in their next couple games if he's bad. Okay. Yes. Yeah, it's it's harder and harder to justify keeping him down mm-hmm. um, at this stage. The only argument you, you, that might be compelling is that Brett Phillips played well in in Omaha the, over the last couple of weeks, but uh, and he's already on the forty man, and he does still have the ability to be optioned if he struggles. So that's fair enough. But at the same time, it's like you know the Royals can find a forty man spot easily. Um, that's not hard at all. They've got, I mean, Terrence Gore has got to be next, I think. So you can find a way to do it. It just matters if, you know, they want to do it. They've, they've said something about they want to give him, you know, prolonged experience with success. And it's like, but it's June 13th. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I get that, like, you might want to give him another month to to be involved in that. But, like, I I kind of feel like, there's a certain point where you kind of want a guy to get that bump because he's had that success and he's put in that effort and he's, you know, had a good season um, in this stage and they've got it. They've got the ability to play him. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they decide. It's, 
uh, I think it's inevitable that it will happen, but I, you know, the timing might be way off. I don't know. It might be next week though. Not sure. Who knows? I don't. I sure don't. That would at least that would at least give us something to talk about because right now the Royals are twenty-one and forty-six, and um, I think that speaks for itself. Yeah, there's just not much. Here we are. Not much good. I mean, uh... and what we were talking about early in the season about how, oh hey, they're not going to win a ton of games, but at least they're going to be interesting. And they were for a little while. They were. They've kind of stopped being interesting. It. It. You know. I probably shouldn't say that, given as we host a podcast about Royals baseball. But, sure, but like, I mean, the unfortunate reality is, man, there's just – it's just not a fun baseball team right now. No, unfortunately, that's there's the point like we got to last six year. six guys that I really want to watch and see what they do, and a lot of the others I don't – like, I, I'm not going to say I don't care, but, like, I don't really expect – like, Brad Boxberger is like, well, I don't – you know – whatever it yeah. doesn't really matter what he does or will they be able to trade him maybe yeah you know, i don't think they'd get much for him deekman maybe yeah great but it's like you know if they do well that's cool that's awesome if they don't do well i there's not much i can do about that um a lot of those guys don't have a ton of trade values and it's like well you're in the exact same spot that you were before and then it's just really a matter of like making sure to see mondesi hit Solaire hit, Merrifield hit, Dozier when he's healthy, mm-hmm. um, Gordon because he's been really good all year. Right. Um, you know, I mean, any see Keller pitch, see Duffy pitch, um, Junis. I mean, eh. Junis a little bit. Yeah, he's he's very Jake Junis this year, but that's kind of it. That's kind of all that's going on, and it's like I think you know. Um, Dozier is potentially going to be in the third baseman final vote uh, for the All-Star game. That's interesting. Uh, Whit Merrifield is probably going to be the, the Royals All-Star. That's kind of cool. But you could make a case for, like, Jorge Soler or Alberto Mondesi. You know, you could make a case for Soler in the home run derby. You could see Mondesi in the All-Star game. That'd be pretty cool. But it's like the interesting players are the same five, six, seven guys. And it's like the rest are just kind of filling in spaces and you hope they get hot and you could trade them for anything um, in a month and a half. And that's kind of where we're at because the Royals are not a good baseball team. No, no, they're not. No. Uh, So on that note, you know, I do have, we'll leave with a bright, a bright moment. I have a personal anecdote. Compliment sandwich. I already, yeah, I already showed you this, uh, you. Oh uh, yeah. But <clears throat> the uh, so for those who don't know, I am a huge fan of Funko Pops. If you don't know what those are, look them up. They're everywhere. You should probably know what they are. As by soon now. as you look them up, um, you'll know exactly what they are. Because you'll know exactly what they oh, are. I, I have. Know this had a name. I have hundreds of these things. I love them. It's weird. It's stupid. They're just little hunks of plastic. That's they mean collectible. nothing, but they they bring me a small amount of joy. And in this godforsaken world, if I can wring any bit of joy out of it, then I take it. So I buy these things and I enjoy them. Um, anyway, so they finally came out with um, – they have a, a Major League Baseball mascot line. And Slugger was one of the ones – because they don't make every team mascot. You know, Similarly, really, they don't make – no, yeah, exactly. And then, um, you know, similarly, they have players, and they don't really, you know, they do a lot of football players more so, but mm. um, they don't make every player either. So 
when I saw the Travis Kelsey one for the Chiefs, I was like, oh, yes. sweet. So I had to get it. Of course I got it. Um, it's on my desk. And then so they made one for Slugger. So I pre-ordered that thing, and I got the call yesterday. <laughs> um, and my friend and I, who works with me, he, pre- he collects them too. He pre-ordered it as well. We pre-ordered from the same place. We both got the call today. We decided It was after lunch, so we yeah. couldn't go. But today we went on our lunch break, and we went and got them. It's sitting on my desk right now. It's pretty awesome. But in true Royals fashion, for some reason, the one that I have, Slugger has two left hands. So for whatever that's worth. I don't know how that happens. Quality control issue is what it sounds like (laughs) to me. But that's neither here nor there. It's still Slugger, and it's still a Funko Pop, and it's on my desk. It's pretty fun. So that was a positive Royals moment for, for the day. I hope that fills you all with as much joy as it fills me um so with that even enjoyed it's defective that's true right eat at arby's Um, eat at arby's so with that note uh, we'll leave you and we'll be back back to our regularly scheduled programming we will be back next week um you know with no no more vacations at least in the immediate future no i'm done with all that crap and Maybe we'll have some Bubba Starling news to talk about. Maybe we'll have you know some more interesting stuff. Who knows? And I'm not sure if we'll be able to have Clint on next week, but uh, we'll definitely keep people updated on when we'll have uh, Clint on to talk and give a little bit more in-depth analysis of the draft and what to expect from those players. So with that, we will leave you. Thank you all so much for listening. Couldn't do this without you. We love you all so much. Um, come back again. Listen next week and we'll be back. Uh, We'll see you then. Until next time, thanks for stopping by. And as always, go Royals. Thank you for listening to the Kansas City Baseball Vault. You can find us on Twitter at KC Baseball Vault. You can also find us on Facebook under the title Kansas City Baseball Vault. And be sure to check us out on iTunes. If you haven't subscribed already, you can find us there as, you guessed it, Kansas City Baseball Vault. If you have any comments, questions, want to say anything it's a free country email us at kansas city baseball vault at gmail.com lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office more than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.